0: Thank you, Jill. Um, let me say something to those of you who wondered why we stopped there. <laughs> you will have seen from the, from the blue sheet uh, that I preached on the verses that follow in 2008 and 2012. And if you want to know more, you can either go to those parts of our recording website, or you can stick around for the 1115 uh, service. Uh, we have to use, we have to kind of cut the Uh, 1 Timothy a little uh, at this service in order to catch up uh, with them. Uh, So since they've already had this passage, I thought the sensible thing was uh, to miss the following bit out here, but I am doing it at 11.15 if you want to check up on whether he's changed what he thought. Um, This week, oh let's pray, let's pray. I want to get that out of the way, but let's pray. Lord God Almighty, We thank you for the heart that beats in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for the salvation of all. We know our horizons are so limited. Lift our eyes to your purposes, we pray this morning, and then lift our deeds and words. That they may follow. Amen. Uh, This week saw the release of the movie uh, Suffragette, and you may know that uh, a number of women uh, threw themselves on the red carpet at the uh, initial showing of the movie, the premiere, uh, because they wanted to illustrate just how far they felt there was still to go, In the business of emancipation of women, they wanted to demonstrate what it might mean to throw off a sense that men are still too much in charge. Well, this was a burning issue in the life of Ephesus, which is the uh, city to which Paul is writing as he writes 1 Timothy. It was an unusual city. You've probably heard of Corinth. Uh, Corinth in the New Testament period was full of licentiousness and excess and indulgence and all kinds of uh, things. Ephesus was much more uh, rigid uh, and austere, uh, but the pagan world of Ephesus was very much uh, one in which women played at least an equal and possibly... A dominant part. So, Paul, as he goes into uh, 1 Timothy, he wants to deal with what's going wrong in the church because of the background of Ephesus. But it explains particularly some of the things he is noting uh, around women. Uh, that's why uh, he wants women in our passage to dress modestly and, and, and all of that. That's not going to be our focus today, but I want, I want to register that it begins in prayer. Our reading today. Uh, and then uh, it ends in prayer. I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands. The, there was a heresy going on of some kind in Ephesus. And like all of Paul's letters, we're listening to one end of a phone conversation. And you know how annoying that can be if it goes on in your house. Um, especially if it's the kind that goes, he didn't. No. Really? She did? You just want to know the other stuff, don't you? Well, that's kind of like uh, Paul going, uh, going on. It really is that exciting. Um, I just want to let you know that. Um, but we can tell some things uh, from, re- from hearing one bit of the conversation, we can tell bits of the other. Uh, there is something going on around women being in charge in Ephesus in a way they're not in other places. There is something going on around uh, not a full-blown Corinthian kind of problem, but people saying, well, now I can do what I like. I've I've become a a Christian. Probably, if we listen to 2 Timothy as well, there's a sense that the resurrection uh, has already happened, not just for Jesus but for me, so that's behind me so I can do anything I like. Um, There's something going on too around you get to engage with God by knowledge, by Uh, what we would now kind of almost be like a download. I can uh, download something to Alison, Alison, and if Alison only has the knowledge, then she is equipped uh, to engage with God. There's something also around uh, Jewishness. We know from, particularly from one Timothy already. If you you were listening, they were wrapped up in myths and genealogies and uh, talking about the law of Moses and trying to get people who were free from the law, the Jewish law, to kind of get back into it, because it would give more security than this slightly dodgy Christian stuff going on. So everything that we read this morning has to be read against that background, and I just wanted. I want to name four points, and then we're going to isolate one verse for attention. Firstly, verse one, appropriately. I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. Prayer is to go on for all. Uh, Prayer as opposed to knowledge. Why is it that he begins chapter two with this emphasis on prayer? Because... It's different from the way you know God according to what's going on uh, in what's being falsely taught in Ephesus. They're saying, at least some are saying there, that it's all about knowledge. If I give you the knowledge, then you have the knowledge and all is okay. But actually, that's just me to Alison. It doesn't go, any, go anywhere, really. He wants to establish a completely different basis of engagement with God, prayer. So he goes straight away for prayer. Prayer is the way of engaging with God over against the heresy that it's knowledge that engages us. Then uh, verses 2 through to 4. For kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness, this is good and pleases God our Saviour, who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Um, of course, it's not just men to be saved, uh, uh, it's all to be saved. Something was going on in Ephesus that led them to say, never mind the world, the world doesn't matter. Uh, Can I just check something? If you came by car, because I don't don't need to get here by car, um, is Essex Street closed or open? It's still closed. It It was supposed to be open by today. But how many of us, in the frustration of knowing that Essex Street was closed, thought to pray for councils? Not many, I suspect. (laughs) How many of you work for a local council? quite a few. Please put your hands down. In Ephesus, they were saying, the world doesn't matter. Never mind councils, never mind kings, never mind governments. All that matters is the little circle of the church. So Paul says, no, God is a God of the whole earth. Read any of the Psalms and you'll get that straight. God is a God of the whole earth, and therefore the kings and the governors and rulers of this world serve God's purposes whether they know it or not. So let's pray for councils when we get stuck in a roadblock. Uh, Maybe something you want to bear in mind as you leave. The word all is mentioned six times in six verses in the original here. It's all gods. And in this letter, all are for saving. Young and old, women and men, widows and elders, slaves, and even bishops. All are to be saved, according to Paul. Our vision needs to be huge, universal. Then thirdly, Sorry, just say because, of course, they were restricting it. They were saying only some can be saved. So, yes, go on to verses 5 and 6. There's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all men. There's another one, the testimony given in its proper time. There is one mediator for all people, because if God is one, if there aren't multiplicities of gods, there can be... uh, therefore, one God has to be the God of all. Not a God for Germany, and a God for Britain, and a God for Australia, and a God for Nigeria. One God over all the earth means that God is God of all the people, the one God is God of all the peoples of the earth. And that means that if in Ephesus they were saying, you really do need to get back to being proper Jews, Paul is saying, no you don't, because God is God of all the Jews and the Gentiles together. Then verse 7, his own role. And for this purpose, I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I'm telling the truth, I'm not lying and a teacher of the true faith to the Gentiles. They wanted, on the basis of knowledge, to have flashy teachers, to have um, exalted uh, people doing that kind of work. Erudite people who knew lots of long words like erudite. Um, But Paul knew that what mattered for him was he simply he was appointed to it. He was simply appointed as a teacher to these Gentiles of the truth that God loves all. Now, that's a quick canter through those verses, but I really want to focus on one verse today. I've wanted to head for this verse for some months now, because I think it matters for where we are. Verse 4. God wants, I'm going to miss out men, if you'll bear with me, because I want, I I assume we're uh, on the same page in that. God wants all to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And I want to look at that in three different ways. Verse 4, all to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Is this about Jews and Gentiles only? No, it's about any time when the people of God miss his purposes for all to be saved. For us, that might be when we get fussy about church and neglect that parish out there, outside these walls, from which so few of us come, because we came in our cars. The duty of care laid upon us as an Anglican parish is that there should always be a church to care for each blade of grass and for each person. Others may care. But we must. And there's no blade of grass and no person in this place from whom we are excused from caring. I do believe it is a deep shame that we have ignored for so long our doorstep. All to be saved, then, and come to a knowledge of the truth. Secondly, all to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. It's a reminder of something about our friends and our neighbours. I'm guessing, like, like, we're all in the same boat. We occasionally remember that our, our friends and our neighbours don't seem very interested, uh, or our colleagues at work, whatever it may be, we say of them that, well, they're probably just not the kind, or they don't seem the type. But they are to be saved, rescued. Rescued. Do we appreciate that ourselves, we have been saved and rescued? Do we share in the appreciation that our brothers and sisters have who have fled their home country because they know what it is to be saved and they know the peril in this world that it puts them in? This is a quotation from one of my favourite writers on God. To be saved does not just mean to be a little encouraged, a little relieved. It means to be pulled out like a log from a burning fire. The Almighty God of heaven and earth has stepped down, stooped down, to raise you and me, to save us from certain peril. And done so at the cost that we see at the cross of Jesus of Nazareth. All are to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And in that light, we cannot say they're just not the type. All are to be saved and to come, thirdly, to a knowledge of the truth. What is the truth? What's this knowledge? Well, of course, he's picking up their word. He's saying, if you want to talk about knowledge, I'll give you knowledge. I I can do it because I've already talked about prayer, but I'm going to tell you about the real knowledge that matters now. It's knowledge of the truth. And what is the truth? The truth is that there can only be one God, sovereign over all the earth. So all need saving. And from this text, you would have to say, and therefore, all must be prayed for. Now, I wonder if that comes to you as a sense of relief. If you look at verse 7, can you say, well, fortunately, I I haven't been appointed an apostle, so I, I don't really have to do very much. What I want to suggest is that we cannot appreciate the truth without it leading to prayer, not a knowledge, but to prayer. And if it truly leads to prayer, because others need saving all need saving, then our habits and our actions and our deeds and our words will follow for our friends and our neighbors. Do we pray? Do our hearts burn? All too often, mine is colder than it should be. Long ago, I felt this verse was key to where we stand as a church. Are we going to say, well, church is about us who gather, the job of church is to give me and us what I like, the care I like, the events I like, the services I like? That is a heresy. If we pay attention to Paul here, it restricts the vision of the church to the church. Or are we going to say the job of the church is to remind me every day that my neighbors, and its neighbors in this place are not saved, so that I am on my knees until they are. It is, I think, my deepest concern as your pastor that we should share the passion of Paul, because all action that matters flows from that passion. And there's one halfway house I think we must avoid. The danger is of being pleased that our church is involved. Andy Bunter is much involved with work on Thursdays up at the Jenny Lind play area. Ben Artis, another of our lay pastoral assistants, is up to good things at Bignold School. Margaret Patrick and others, Beryl Brown, are up to good things with older people at Summerley House. The danger is that we'll say, do you know, I'm so pleased to belong to a church where there are people doing that. It's about us. It's not about we should, but we will. Like Paul, in our actions even though we may not be heralds and apostles. But we can, like Paul, begin a sentence with the word I. What will I do in the face of all the earth that has the one God? What would it be like if this or another sponsored space on a Sunday was filled perhaps two or three times over with congregations entirely representative of this parish it would look quite different. We remember a martyr today. One who gave everything, knowing that God's passion is universal. What shall we do for the sake of the one who gave everything, not Edith, but her Christ? One who gave everything so that all, even you and me, should be saved. Let's pray. The band have come up because they're going to lead and they're going to sing to us, for us, uh, I suggest we stay uh, quiet. Uh, I'm not. I don't think it's God's heart that we should take on a particular individual obligation this morning. But because it is the memorial of Edith Cavill, and because there are big things going on in the life of the church, it's perhaps appropriate to pray for God's heart. So let's begin for that. Let's begin like that. Lord Jesus Christ, you are the one mediator who died for all, every man, woman, boy, girl on this planet, and every man, woman, boy, and girl that we shall meet in this parish and beyond in the days that lie ahead. Make our hearts like yours, we pray, that we may devote our lives to see all saved, so far as lies within our influence, under your hand and by the power of your Spirit. Amen.